Today, Zach Hanchu, my new co-host, and I go balls deep on some preseason news, a preseason that I haven't seen much of. Uh, I will explain why. Let's play. Welcome to the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. I'm Adam King at AdamKing91 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me, fbibasketball.com is our website. Uh, as I said, I'm joined by Zach Hanshaw. He will be my new co-host moving forward. Uh, Dr. A is off doing plenty of other work for, for some other sites and he still will be on the show from time to time. Uh, but Zach has kindly agreed to join me. Zach, uh, good to have you back on the show. We don't need to do too much intro because we've done tons of shows together. Uh, you saw our new intro there, which that was the first time I've seen it as well um, because we had some copyright issues, I believe, with the music from our other one, uh, which we tried to fix, but it was easier to do a new one. How are things? Things are great, man. Uh, and I love the new intro. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to... Uh... Rolling out with you every Tuesday night, man. And I, I do – I saw the the little quote here under your name on the screen, unusually bullish on Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole. Uh, Jordan Poole has, has actually climbed my ranks pretty quickly over the last couple of weeks, um, not really based on what he's going to do, just based on how important it is to get points early in drafts and, and what he can be doing in his free throw percentage. So – yeah, he, he has gone up a little bit uh, in my eyes as well. Um, so we are going to go through – we decided off air just before we came on that we will split this into two episodes. So we're going to go through the Eastern Conference, uh, some preseason news and notes. Uh, as I said, much of the preseason I haven't seen. I was in Europe, and kudos to anyone in Europe that's an NBA fan because the games do not line up with your time zone at all. Um we get the games here in Australia early in the morning through to sort of early mid-afternoon. Obviously, in the States, you get them from evening to, to late in the evening or late at night. Europe, they get them from sort of very early in the morning, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, through to very early sort of when you're getting up, sort of 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. So pretty hard to catch those East, East Coast games, I would think. Um, but we'll go through these games let me just bring up my special little slides that we've done here as i said we'll just go through the eastern conference um starting with the boston celtics i guess we sort of know pretty much like that not much has changed as far as i'm aware in terms of boston i know they're starting uh their potential starting five today in, in tonight or today or tonight's game um with uh, al horford back on the bench which i think we know that's what they're going to do but Peyton Pritchard signed a pretty hefty contract, I think, given what he's done so far in his career, which probably indicates they're pretty invested in him moving forward. Depth is an issue for Boston. We we know that, given they got Drew Holiday and they got Kristaps Porzingis. What do you think Pritchard's role is going to be? I think he'll play more minutes than he has, but do you think it's it's noteworthy at all? I think it's going to be more noteworthy in points leagues. Uh, I don't necessarily know that he'll be a guy worth rostering, uh, you know, in a categories league. If you're playing, you know, in a 12-team league, uh, I think maybe 14 teams and deeper. He's somebody you can look at towards the end of your drafts. Uh, but as you mentioned, man, this is a uh, this is not a uh, you know a very deep bench for Boston. Uh, they're going to start. You know, from what we're seeing, Holiday and White together in the backcourt. Uh, Pritchard is probably going to be the first guard off the bench, I would assume, uh, with Horford uh, maybe playing that six-man role for them overall. Um, you know, but Pritchard is, is going to have to be that microwave scoring option for them off the bench. And we've seen, you know, how effective he can be as a scorer. So I think at the very least – uh, we'll see somewhere in the range of 25-plus minutes um, and, 
you know, fairly strong scoring from him. So he's somebody that I'll look at in a 12-team points league for sure towards the end of my drafts. Yeah, and I think what people want to keep an eye on is is obviously injuries. Uh, I said that there's no depth. So if Derek White goes down or if Drew Holiday goes down for any amount of time, Pritchard could start. I mean, they could also start Horford, but that'll mean Pritchard will be sixth man. So there could be times throughout the season where you do plug him in as a streamer um, if you need some points and threes. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's interesting. Uh, any other news on, on the Celtics? Uh, not much um, other than, you know, as you mentioned, Horford is going to be coming off the bench. Uh, you know, I think people were you know, maybe uh, overreacting to the Drew Holiday signing. Um, I bumped – I bumped Derek White down eight or nine spots in my overall rankings, uh, but I don't even think the the holiday move is worth bumping White down by by a full round necessarily, um, just because he's still going to see plenty of minutes. We know now that he's going to start. Um, you know, the usage is not going to be what we expected it to be, so we can bump him a little bit. Um, but as a starter uh, with a thinner bench, uh, he's he's probably going to see at least the same number of minutes he saw last year, if not more. Uh, we know what he can do, uh, you know, with the defensive stats that he puts up with steals and blocks, which are so valuable. Um, and he's still going to get his as a playmaker. He's still going to be uh, an effective scorer, as we saw last season. Um, so I, I think we can take Derek White uh, pretty confidently, you know, seventh eighth round uh, and you may be uh, able to get him at a discount uh, and he ends up being a a pretty good value when it's all said and done. Yeah. I think people like obviously that initial reaction was, Oh, well we can't draft him now. So he is going to slide in draft. So you probably can get him late after pick a hundred. And as you said, he's not going to have high usage, but he doesn't need high usage to have value. His value comes from, the, those defensive numbers, some assists, efficient, some threes, he'll still do all of that. So I think he still certainly has a role and and value um, in standard leagues. For the Nets, uh, something that I, I was pretty high on Ben Simmons a month ago um, and everything points to him being the starting point guard. He's looked good. Uh, he looks aggressive. That I think the biggest, from what I've seen, and I did manage to catch the game yesterday, some turnovers and some scrappy things going on, but he does look like he's got that confidence back in terms of attacking the basket. Um, he hit a oh, mid-range free throw sort of line, a jump shot yesterday, which nothing but net went in. Um, the fact that he's even taking that to me says that he's got his confidence back. He's got his mojo back. Um, so do you think I, – I took him in a draft – really just because I wanted him in the late 90s um, today. Are you happy to draft him now? Like every year we sort of get these guys, the, the hype, the videos, the pre, all the workouts. Do you think he is actually going to turn it around this season? Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm happy to take him at pick 100 or later uh, because that's when we can go after flyers. Uh, but any more than that, and then he becomes a guy that has been so hyped and so, um, you know, kind of elevated that he doesn't become a value anymore. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, eight turnovers the other night. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at his line here right now, eight points, nine dimes, six rebounds, three steals, a block. I mean, in 29 minutes, like that's a typical, you know, 0 for 1 from the free throw line, no triples four for eight from the field. That's a Ben Simmons stat line of old. Like that is your typical stuff, the stat sheet, uh, terrible from the free throw line, uh, pretty efficient from the field, high turnovers. Uh, So you know what you're going to get from Ben Simmons. And that guy, you know, three, four years ago was a guy that we were taking, you know, what, 50s, 60s, 70s, that range. Uh, so if you can get him, you know, pick 100 or later, that becomes a tremendous value if, like you said, he's got that mojo back. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, yesterday's game, they didn't have Mikael Bridges. They didn't have Cam Johnson. So I think with them on the court, that's only going to help him because it's going to spread the floor. It's going to give him space to work. Um, he's going to be hitting targets who can actually score. So his assist numbers yeah. will, be, will be way up. So, yeah, look, I'm I'm really happy with, with how he's – looked in the preseason and just quickly on on cam thomas um everyone's sort of 
I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Dark horse. He's not really a dark horse. But do you think there's a role for him this season? Um, we know he can score. He had twenty odd points yesterday, but his defense is. I mean, a couple of defensive plays where he just gave up basically <laughs> chasing back. I know it was only a preseason game, but um, Jacques Vaughan said in the in the pre pre game press conference that he really wanted his team to be playing with hustle and not giving up and then five minutes later, Cam was giving up fast breaks and stuff. So do you think he has a role this season um, that's going to make him any sort of a fantasy asset? I, I would love to see it, right? I mean, we we saw last year when Brooklyn was, you know, going through its trades and waiting to get Bridges and these guys back in the lineup that, what was it, three games in a row of 40-plus points? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, so he just went bananas. And we've seen him do this before. We know that he can be that guy as a scorer. Uh, we knew it coming out of college, uh, you know, at LSU uh, when he was averaging, you know, high 20s per game. Uh, we know what he can do in that role. Uh, it just remains to be seen how much playing time Brooklyn is going to actually give him. Uh, I mean, if you look at their depth chart, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty – yeah, it's a pretty full roster, but past that starting five, who's their go-to score? I mean, you're looking at uh, Peyton Pritchard in Boston's situation. Who's coming off the bench that you say, man, I really need a bucket right now while we're giving the starters some rest? Who's that going to be? And it's not going to be Royce O'Neal. It's not going to be DFS. It's not going to be you know Dennis Smith Jr., for God's sake. It's going to be Cam Thomas. Uh, so I can certainly see uh, a world in which he comes off the bench and averages 15 with a couple of threes. Um, but does he give you anything other than that? Um, I don't necessarily know that that's the case. So I think he's just like Pritchard. He kind of falls into that late round points league discussion, uh, but probably not somebody I'm looking at in a categories league. Uh, so on to the Knicks. Again, not a lot to talk about, I don't think. Um, they're not an overly exciting team for me. Um, you, you know what you're going to get with Brunson, Randall, Mitch Robinson, um, RJ Barrett to some degree, but we don't really care from a fantasy perspective. For me, it's sort of the these guys here who, well, they might start or they might just play good minutes off the bench. Um, Quinton Grimes, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo and Emmanuel Quickly. All are sort of late round. I guess Josh Hart, maybe he's a bit earlier than late round. But of these guys, who who do you think has the most upside this season? Out of this group, oh, man, I, I have to say it's Grimes. Um, I think Hart has the – probably has the highest floor – um, just because he's – and he's not overly effective in any one category necessarily, but he he has a, a well enough rounded stat set where he's not going to really hurt you too bad anywhere. Um, so he's kind of one of those guys that falls in that mold. Uh, I think Grimes, from what we saw from him last season as a scorer, potentially as a playmaker, um, he's a guy that that does intrigue me, uh, as does Emmanuel Quickly. Um but, you know, with the, the addition of Dante DiVincenzo, the re-signing of Hart, the, you know, the Villanova party going on, uh, I just don't necessarily know that any of these guys are going to see enough playing time or enough usage to, um, to really be worth an investment in 12-team leagues. For me, uh, I just I feel like they all kind of cannibalize one another's value. Yeah, it's a tricky situation. I think Hart, is, of the four, Hart is probably the one that's rostered in most spots yeah. like I think he's he's probably being drafted in most leagues just because of those out of position rebounds um and he seems to fit the scheme really well so I think he'll get the minutes the, the other three it's tough um I do like Grimes as a late round guy last round of the draft but confidence is not high um given Tom yeah. Thibodeau we know what his minutes can look like so yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, but it's look. I think they're they're all worth considering in the last round, but I wouldn't really lean one way or the other. Um, at least until we get a look. So give it a week, give it two weeks, and we might get. I mean, quickly might they might come out and play him thirty three minutes, and then he's probably worth adding. So wait and see what happens. Uh, in Philly, um, DeAnthony Melton has looked really good in the preseason, but the caveat is the James, the whole James Harden thing um 
He's supposedly been around the team, but he's only attended one of their preseason games. So it just seems like he's doing the bare minimum to get paid and doesn't want to get a fine. So, I mean, how high are you going to go on Melton this season? I've seen him go as high as in the 90s, and then I've seen him go sort of 120, 130. Are you comfortable reaching a little bit to get him given what we've seen in the preseason? Yeah, I think at this point, I, you know, I, we got to take Harden at his word, right? Like he's saying the damage between him and Maury is irreparable. It's They're not going to work things out. Um, I can't envision him playing for the Sixers. As you said, it seems like he's going through the motions to cash that paycheck. Uh, so I don't see it. Uh, Melton, he has been a fantasy darling now since, you know, his Memphis days. Um uh, but he's like you said, he's looked great. He had a near triple double the other night in preseason. Mm. So he, he's been balling out. Um, and we know what he can do when he's given those substantial, you know, starter 30, 30 plus minutes a night type of thing. Uh, you know, points, rebounds, assists, uh, big with the steals. Uh, he can hit threes. Uh, so he can really fill out the box score and he can be quite effective for your fantasy team. So, yeah, I'm fine reaching for him. Uh, because I don't think Harden is going to play for Philly this year. And I have no idea what the Sixers would even be able to get for him uh, in a trade at this point. Uh, I have no idea what his value is. I can't imagine it's nearly as high as what it's been for his last, what, three or four trades? No, I wouldn't think so. I, I don't know who's trading for him, really. I think he he probably thinks his value is quite high, but uh, the, the league probably doesn't agree with him. Um Paul Reed, a guy that we've obviously been talking about for, for a couple of seasons, um, it does seem as though he's going to play a bigger role this season. Exactly how many minutes, we don't know. Um, he, he's he been really interesting. I've sort of I've been watching the, the ADPs and, and the data and he sort of – he wasn't on draft boards at all. Then he quickly sort of went and he was being drafted in the 90s and the 100s. And he's fallen back down now, I think, to to even not being drafted again in some leagues that I'm in. Um, is he someone that you're comfortable drafting at all, given what we've heard and, and what we've seen? Or is it more of a wait-and-see approach? No, I think if you're drafting right now, you got to take him. Uh, and if you can get him, again, if you're outside that top 100, uh, Paul Reed is a guy that I'm absolutely going to target. Uh, because if you told me right now, Zach, I guarantee he's going to be playing 25 plus minutes a night, I'd reach for him in the 80s. Uh, I mean, he has that level of upside where he's going to get you strong defensive stats. Um, you know, he has eligibility at power forward and center. So we know that he it will likely play some minutes alongside Joel Embiid. Uh, he's going to get minutes when Embiid rests, which is going to be quite often. Um, and for a big man, he gets you, you know, a good many steals to go with those blocks. So if you can have a guy that's getting you, you know, 1.2, 1.1 steals, 1.1 blocks a game, uh, you know, seven, eight rebounds, 10 plus points, uh, strong field goal percentage. That's a guy that I want on my fantasy team, you know, right now. So I absolutely comfortable taking him. Uh, and then I just, I just dropped Kelly Oubre in there. I'm not drafting him. I don't think you need to draft him. I would view him more more in line with probably Cam Thomas, Peyton Pritchard, mm -hmm. a guy that you could stream in for points if you need to. We're not drafting him, are we? I'm not drafting him. I don't even think as a late-round flyer, um, you know, that he's going to be the best upside pick. There's plenty of other guys that uh, excite me a little bit more. Uh, but if I'm in a deeper points league, absolutely. I mean, he's scored – 20 points a game last season, uh, obviously for a much worse roster. Uh, but the upside is there. He's a chucker. He's going to throw up some shots, and the negative field goal percentage isn't going to impact you in a points league. Uh, a final team in the in the Atlantic, the Toronto Raptors. Um, they obviously look a little bit different this season with no Fred Van Fleet there. Dennis Schroeder looks like he's going to start at point guard, but it's not confirmed. Uh, Gary Trent could start as well, I suppose. But Schroeder, speaking of late round flyers, is he someone that you're prepared to take a gamble on in the 12th round, 13th round, if he's sitting there? 
Sure. Yeah. If I need assists that late in the draft, uh, or even if I don't necessarily need assists, it's it's really difficult to find a starting point guard and somebody that can get you five or six assists per game, uh, you know, outside the top 100, let alone in the last round of your draft. Uh, so absolutely, man. Um, and we know he still has some juice left in the tank. Uh, you know, one of the stars of the FIBA World Cup with Germany, obviously. Um, and Toronto's Toronto's roster is I'm not sure how the minutes are going to shake out here with this new coach, with this new lineup. Um, but Toronto is not a deep team at all. I think he's going to see 30 plus minutes a night if I had to guess. And that's why I popped their depth options, because I had a look at their depth chart last night and. As you said, it's not great. So if we look beyond the starters um, and potentially Gary Trent, so there's six guys that could have fantasy value, is there anyone else? Um, Chris Boucher is someone that pops up every season as is at his time, but, I mean, he's old now. He's he's not a young player. Is there anyone? Is Chris Boucher, Jalen McDaniels, um, Grady Dick, Otto Porter? (laughs) I mean, is there anyone there that you think – could have value this season? No, nobody really excites me here. McDaniels, I think, would be the most likely to, you know, be of value in a categories league. Um, you know, maybe Dick, if he's a more effective scorer than what we think he can be. Uh, obviously, he's a you know really good from three. Uh, so maybe you take him in a points league. Uh, but I, I, none of these guys really excite me. I, I won't be having too much exposure to Toronto this season. Uh, So on to the Central Division, starting with the Bulls. Kobe White starting over Javon Carter, uh, which surprised what surprised me. I I thought Javon Carter would start. Um, It's probably, and and I've put Carter at the end here, so this is sort of the same topic really. Um, Javon Carter was someone I was grabbing late. Is he still someone that that you would grab late or would, would you go with Kobe White now? Ah uh, man, it's a it's a real disappointment as a you know yeah. West Virginia alum. I was really really hoping that Carter was going to get that starting role, but it doesn't look like it. Um, and, and you know I've been going through these teams and trying to play the two forty game. You know the how the minutes are going to shake out here. Yeah. I, I mean, even if Carter starts or even if White starts, there are so many guys on this team that are going to play. It would shock me if White or Carter plays over 27 and a half, 28 minutes a game. Um, and at that point, the upside is still fairly limited for both. Um, but from what we've seen from Kobe White in the preseason, um, it's encouraging. It looks like maybe he's more than just a, a chucker here. It looks like maybe we can get more than points and threes and, you know, poor field goal percentage. Uh, he may be effective as a playmaker, as a rebounder, maybe give you something on defense. Uh, and if that's the case, sure, we'll take a shot on him in the you know, later rounds of drafts. But it's hard for anybody to carve out a role here with Levine, DeRozan, uh, Vooch, and even the guy you're going to talk about next, P-Will. Uh, it's a crowded team, man. It is. I think – yeah, look, I think if White's going to start, and as you said, I don't think he plays 30, 32 minutes, but 28 maybe. Um, they're going to need him to play as a facilitator because – I mean, Zach Levine, DeMar, DeRozan, they can handle the ball. They can play as that facilitator, but you wouldn't call them point guards or or primary facilitators. So White's going to need to get some assists. So there's a little bit of upside there, I think. And then Patrick Williams, yeah, you you touched on there quickly. Um, He's sort of been on the fringe for like two years now. People have, he's been added, then he gets dropped. The role is there, the minutes are there. Do you think this is the season where he can actually put it together on a consistent basis or are we just kidding ourselves and and he's going to maybe do uh, like a week of solid production and then he'll just fall away and do nothing? Yeah, personally, I think we're kidding ourselves. I'm not interested in him. Uh, I won't be drafting him anywhere. Um, I I think he's really a guy that is a much more solid real-life player than a fantasy player. Uh, you know, he was like 10 and four last season with a steal. Uh, he played, what, 28 minutes or so last season. Uh, not really sure where he can see a bump in minutes, especially after they added Javon Carter, as you mentioned. Um, they added Tory Craig as well, uh, who may end up seeing some time at forward, I would imagine. 
Uh, so I don't see that there's a real path for him to bump up his minutes to 30 plus. Um, and I don't see how he, how he increases this production. He's not an excellent rebounder. Uh, he's a solid defender, but he's not one that necessarily racks up the big defensive stats, which is what you need for fantasy. Um, and of course, as a score, there are at least three guys on this team and with Kobe white, probably four, uh, that are going to, you know, be the go-to options before him. So no interest for me at all. I don't see it. Yeah, I think in a roto league, I'm okay to take him sort of right at the end because, as you said, he doesn't really do anything in particular, but he also doesn't hurt you anywhere. So he'll get some rebounds, some defensive stats. He'll hit some threes. He's relatively efficient. So I think there's a spot there. But, yeah, again, he's he's not someone I'm, I'm targeting Um with any priority uh, in Cleveland, another pretty boring fantasy team, to be honest. Um, <laughs> we know what we're going to get from the guards. We know what they're, they're going to roll with the two bigs. It's sort of that small forward position. Um, Max Struess looks as though he's going to get that role to start with, but he's really just a points and threes guy. Is he someone worth drafting for me? I'm, I'm not. Um, I think he's going to just be a stream option this season, but am I missing something? No, I think he's worth, uh, he's worth streaming at some point during the season when somebody misses time. But as you mentioned, man, he's going to be a a points and threes guy. Um, He's another guy like Williams where, you know, do I really see that there's a path for him to take on an expanded role? Um, You know, now that he's playing with Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Karis LeVert. No, I think he takes a step back, uh, despite what the contract from Cleveland might tell you. They brought him in to space the floor and hit threes, which is what he'll do. And then just quickly on Mobley, um, his third season now, he was he was good last year. Many people were sort of predicting the breakout. It didn't really come. He, he was solid, but it, it, he probably didn't reach the heights that we were looking at. Do you think this is his year? Um Will he play a little bit more at centre? They they have got some floor spacing there now with, as you said, with Struess and um, uh, Niang. Was it George Niang that they signed? It was yeah. someone. Yeah. So they, they've got some floor spacing um, to allow Mobley to play at the centre. So do you think, do you think that this season is, is when he sort of takes that step to be an elite fantasy player? I do. Uh, I, I don't think it'll take – it's not going to take much, right? We know in the world yeah. of fantasy, you know, very small improvements uh, across the board can really bump you up to the next level. Uh, and I think he can do that this season. Um, like you said, he can play at center. Um, you know, he plays at power forward, obviously, alongside Jared Allen. Um, so there's a path for him to have uh, big minutes once again. Uh, can he be, you know, like an 18 and 11 guy with a pair of blocks? Absolutely. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, you know, strong field goal percentage, he's a great passer, uh, especially what we saw at the end of last season. Um, so, you know, if we get near, you know, three assists per game, uh, you know, we're looking at a third round uh, or better fantasy player. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, friend, of, friend of this show, Mitch Casey, very high on, on Mobley. So let's see how he goes on to Detroit. Um Obviously, real life, they're not going to be great this season, I don't think. But there is some interesting fantasy options. Uh, Azar Thompson is someone who looks as though he's probably going to start. Um, He has a – I mean, without seeing him on an NBA court, I think he has a good game for fantasy. I think he's built to produce across the board. How high are you going on him? I mean, he's being drafted in pretty much every league. Um, I've seen him go sort of – around 100, 110. Is, is that about right? That's about right. And, man, with these with these mocks that we've been doing and with, you know, preseason games going on, I mean, Oscar Thompson was a guy that was going undrafted two weeks ago, uh, and now he's in that 100 to 110 range uh, because, as you said, he can stuff the stat sheet with the best of them. Uh, we saw a little bit of that in summer league. He looked really good. Um, and he's just confirming, you know, what that ceiling might look like. Um, and, you know, a week ago it came out that, hey, the starting spot is probably going to be his to lose right now, um, especially because he can play at the two, three, or four potentially. So uh, looks like he's going to have a significant role right off the jump. And, 
yeah, if I can get him between 100 and 110, uh, I'm thrilled with that. And then Isaiah Stewart, who, again, we, we don't know if he's going to start or whether he should start. That Well, that two different discussions. But he isn't really being drafted anywhere. But, I mean, if he's going to play 28, 30 minutes, he'll be close to a double-double. I'm thinking he'll probably hit a three a game, maybe get a block close to a block. Is there any any sort of potential upside there on him or is he just someone you'd rather leave for the waiver wire? Yeah, I'd rather leave for the wire. Um, it's a much more crowded team than it's ever been in Detroit. Um, you know, he had 28 minutes last season and he was like a you know, 10, 11 and eight type of guy. Um, he started taking a lot more threes last season. That was something that he kind of made a focal point in the off season. And as a result, uh, you know, the block numbers went down because he was playing more outside of the paint and the efficiency went in the toilet, um, which is something, you know, from a big man perspective, you're looking for blocks, you're looking for field goal percentage. And, you know, both of those went away for him. Uh, I don't see how that changes, especially with Jalen Duran uh, probably starting alongside him. He'll probably be more of the, you know, power forward, spreading the floor type of guy. Um, so I, I really have no interest here at all. I don't see the upside. Uh, onto the Pacers, one of my favourite teams this season. A um, lot of fantasy value to be found. Obi Toppin, Jarris Walker. We Toppin seems like he's got the the um, the starting position well locked up for, to at least start the season based on what we've seen thus far. Um, although I think you could probably again from what I've seen, it's limited. Jarris Walker probably looks better. Uh, out of the two, either of these guys, are you drafting either of them late? Or, again, is it a wait and see minutes-wise? I like top and late. Uh, I, I think you can you can pull the trigger on either of these guys depending on your preference. But I, I like top and late. Uh, I think he does start the season as, as the you know starting power forward. Uh, I'm not sure by season's end if if that's how, how the lineup is still shaken out. Uh, I think – to me, I think the Pacers are a playoff team this year, uh, and if that's the case and Toppin is in the starting five, uh, I think they probably just keep rolling with him, if I had to guess. Uh, but if things start to go south, uh, I think they'll give Jairus Walker a little more run. Um, but, yeah, Walker has looked great in the preseason, so I don't think it's Toppin's job um, in a runaway necessarily. It's not a safe, it's not a safe job for him. Walker can come in and take that for sure. And then probably the other spot that's up for, for grabs to some degree is the, um, I guess, the two or the three, depending on where you have Bruce Brown. But Benedict Matherin, Buddy Heald. Uh, Matherin, again, he looks like he's going to start. Buddy Heald has come off the bench. They have talked about trading him. Um, they've been pretty open with that. Heald doesn't sound as though he wants to come off the bench. He thinks he's a starter. So for me, it's Matherin here. That I would I would take him over healed, but we do know healed can put up value in twenty eight minutes. He hits a lot of threes. He can get some assists. Are both of these guys players to consider in, in standard leagues? And and who would you prefer? Yeah, they're both guys to consider. But if we're talking you know value here, I think it's it's Matherin by a, a country mile, especially since he's starting and he's you know, three or four rounds cheaper, I think, based on latest ADP. Um, Heald is a guy that I think you still got to really look at if you're playing in a Roto League. The, the guy does not miss games. Um, he is very consistent. He's always on the court. Um, so as far as a totals guy, he's, he's going to be phenomenal for you. Uh, but, yeah, if he's shifting back to the bench uh, and he's still more expensive than Matherin, um, yeah, I really like Matherin to begin with. Uh, but, yeah, given the draft capital to acquire both of them, I definitely lean Matherin here. And then finally, the Bucks, uh, another pretty boring fantasy team. They've been a pretty boring fantasy team for a number of years yeah. now. Um, Malik Beasley is really the only guy I sort of could come up with who we might want to discuss. Um, he can be valuable. We, we saw when he was with the Timberwolves a couple of years ago that he had value. He can, he can get 18, 20 points a game. So I think he's going to have a role here, but to me, he's not draftable. I see him as again one of those point, like a Kelly Oubre or um, 
who we talked about, um, Cam Thomas, someone you could stream in for points and threes. Am I wrong there? Like, is there any sustainable value? Uh, I don't know. He's a guy that I think I would maybe look at at the end of drafts uh, just because, uh, you know, Milwaukee, like you said, they're kind of a boring team. Um, It's not a deep bench at this point, uh, and we know – just how good Beasley can be uh, back from his days in Minnesota when he was given, you know, 30 minutes a game. Uh, So I think I would probably look at him late in the draft, um, but he's not somebody that, that gives me a ton of excitement or encouragement here, but I can see that there's a path for him to start and potentially play, you know, 27, 28 minutes a night, maybe. Uh, And then I just thought I'd quickly touch on Bobby Portis, because I've seen him drafted in some leagues, and to me, I'd rather go for someone with a bit more upside. Is he someone that you would draft? Personally, I wouldn't. Um, but again, as you said, the Bucks don't have a lot of depth. So Brooke Lopez is coming off one of the more freakish sort of outlier seasons that we've seen in, in quite a while. He could he could very well play 50 games this season and his back might flare up. Or And then Portis does have a role, but... Are you willing to risk that? Yeah, I think, you know, Brooke Lopez played uh, a ton of games last season. I, I can't remember if he played every game or 79, 80, somewhere in that range. He played a lot of games last season. Um, and Bobby Portis ended up having the best, you know, uh, highest rebounding average of his career. Uh, it was just under 10 per game. Um, so here's a guy that you can get, you know, outside of – uh, the top 100 that can potentially get you a, a, the, the defensive numbers aren't going to be great. Half a steal, half a block maybe. Uh, but he's a guy that can hit over a triple per game. He can get you 13, 14 points, nine or 10 rebounds. Um, and that's tough to find outside the top 100. So yeah, he's a guy that I would certainly consider. All right. On to the Southeast, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, again, some fantasy discussion here. Um, at a few positions, center position is the obvious one. Onyeko Kongwu, Clint Capella, uh, both I think need to be drafted. Are you leaning one way or another? Uh, I actually posed a question about a Kongwu in your sh- in your show earlier today. Um, like I don't know, I, I take a Kongwu over Capella, and-, and he has looked really good in the preseason, but we haven't really seen Capella. Although the fact that we haven't seen Capella. Does that just mean that, hey, we're going to have another season where he misses games because of injuries and they're going to trade him? For me, this is a Kongwu. Uh, I would take him over Capella, but do you think differently? Yeah, I like Okongwu over Capella as well. Um, I, I think eventually, you know, we do see Okongwu uh, just completely overtake him as the starter, uh, or maybe we see him play some minutes at power forward alongside Capella mm. in center. Uh, either way, there's a, a clear path for him to play more minutes than Capella. Um, and again, this is another draft capital issue. Capella uh, potentially going to be uh, you know, a little more expensive than Okongwu. Uh, so I'll take the guy that's cheaper, uh, especially since he has, uh, to me, higher upside. Jalen Johnson's looked really good. Uh, someone that I've been pretty high on for quite a while. Um don't know if he's going to start. We DeAndre Hunter hasn't played a lot, um, but he's shown some upside uh, in the assist department. He had seven assists, I think, in a half in, in one of their other preseason games. Um, are we drafting him now? Like we, we're not sure of what his role looks like exactly, but is the is there enough upside there to warrant spending a draft uh, pick on him? Sure. I mean, you can take a swing on him at the end of drafts. Uh, I still think uh, at least to start the season, it, it's probably going to be Bay. Um, but if you're just looking for overall upside and who finishes the season with, you know, more minutes, um, you know, who's on the floor longer, uh, it, to me, it's going to end up being Jalen Johnson. Um, and if we're talking last pick of your draft, uh, take take a swing on anybody. I mean, you could dra- draft a guy with your last pick and drop him next week. Uh, for the hot pickup of the week. So I, I think absolutely take that chance. Don't play it safe at the end of your drafts. Uh, if you have a feeling about a guy like a Jalen Johnson, go out and grab him. 
And on Sadiq Bay, any value in drafting him this season? Uh, I've seen him go undrafted in a lot of leagues. I've taken him with my final pick um, as a guy that could potentially get you 15 points, three threes, a steal. Uh, he's a decent rebounder. Um, he, he he might get six, seven rebounds. Is he worth um, a draft spot as well? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think I can add any more to what you just said. Uh, I would draft him at the end of uh, you know my drafts for those exact reasons. Uh, on to the Hornets. We're not going to talk about Miles Bridges. We don't need to. I'm, I'm not sure why he still has a job, but PJ Washington looks like he's going to be the beneficiary. Um, he had a really good game the other night. I can't remember how many points he got, but he led them in scoring, which obviously isn't going to happen every night. But um, what's his value now with with Miles Bridges potentially gone? Uh, we, we, there's no confirmation on that, but he was someone who was probably sort of around pick 120. Does he move inside the top 100 now? For me, he was a guy before the Miles Bridges news that was uh... – you know, I wasn't drafting him. He wasn't anybody I was interested in. My rankings, he was outside the top 125. Uh, he's right outside that top 100 for me now. Uh, you know, I, after uh, adjusting rankings and projections and all those kind of things. Um, yeah, with Bridges out of the picture, Washington is going to be the primary beneficiary here. Uh, Brandon Miller gets a bump. Uh, I, I'm not really counting on too much from Gordon Hayward, uh, as we usually you know, don't expect to see him play too many games. Uh, but yeah, Washington, man, uh, right right around that pick 100 mark kind of feels like the sweet spot. Um, Terry Rose is someone that's falling in a lot of drafts. He, two years ago, we were pretty high on him. He seemed to have fixed his efficiency issues last season. Uh, scoring was fine. Assists were fine, but his shot just went missing. But as we know, there was no Lamello ball for majority of the season. He's someone that you can get in the 70s, the 80s, or even the 90s. I think there's a ton of value there because I think he's going to play 33 minutes. He's going to score. He'll get some assists. The efficiency could come back a little bit with with ball back on the floor. Is he, like, am I wrong in thinking that he's a, I don't know if sleeper is the right word because it's not really a phrase that that holds a lot of value anymore given the amount of content that's out there. But is he someone that you could get towards that pick 80 or 90 with top 50 upside? Yeah, he's absolutely somebody that can provide you a ton of value. Um, you know, just looking over his numbers from last season, uh, 21 points, four rebounds, five assists, 1.2 steals, 2.6 triples. How is that a guy that's going, you know, in the 70s, 80s, or potentially even the 90s? Like, that's a guy you want on your fantasy team. Uh, but as you mentioned, shot 41.5% from the floor. Um, and in a fantasy league with categories, that Z score is, is going to drop his value tremendously. So he was just inside the top 100 overall. Um, but he's a he's a much better option than what those numbers indicate. Uh, so absolutely, I think you can take him and expect to get a bunch of value. And I think a really good example of – not simply looking at rankings when you're coming into this season. Don't just look and go, oh, he, he, he wasn't great last season because he was still good. It was just that efficiency mm. because he was required. He had the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, yeah. But as I said, with ball back, he's going to be on the receiving end of some some pretty swift passes and, and getting to some good spots. So I really like him. Gordon Haywood, uh, he goes undrafted in most leagues, I think. Is he someone that... Uh, you can't really call him a flyer because he's pretty old now. And we know what he what he will bring, but is there any chance he stays healthy and can be a top one hundred guy this season? Ah, uh, no. Okay. I'll just keep it short and sweet. No. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, on to Miami. Josh Richardson is he must draft? I, I, I thought he was going to start. I don't know if he is, but I think he plays thirty minutes a night. He was pretty good for the Spurs last season down the stretch when he was getting minutes. Um, he obviously had the best seasons of his career in Miami, so he fits what they're doing. He'll get you 14 points, handful of assists, one, 1 1.2 steals, couple of threes. He's really good from the free throw line. You can get him with your last pick in most drafts, and I, I have done so in a lot of drafts. Um, Am I on track there, or, or is he someone that you're just leaving? 
No, you're on track. Uh, I have him inside my top 120 uh, because I believe, like you do, he's going to see a significant amount of minutes. Uh, Miami added nobody uh, of note in the offseason. They got rid of Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, um, Jimmy Butler, uh, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. Those guys are going to be, uh, you know, playing your most minutes, uh, which is why I'm so high on Tyler Hero. Uh, but then you got guys like Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry. Uh, don't think they hold up for you know a whole lot of the season. They're going to miss a ton of time, and that leaves Josh Richardson uh, potentially starting, uh, you know, with with the starters uh, to open the season. Uh, and if not, he'll be playing in the twenty-seven to thirty-minute range. Um, so, absolutely, man, if you can get him with one of your last picks, to me, he's a must-draft. And then I just sort of put in a young upside, so not a player named Young, just their young players that they have on the bench. They're a team, again, that doesn't have a lot of depth. Outside of, I guess, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Josh Richardson, I think I'd, I'd put him in a must, almost must-roster category. Is there anyone else? Kyle Lowry, I think you could pick up if you just need assists late, but Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovic, Orlando Robinson, um, Thomas Bryant, is there any value there to be found? I don't really see much. No, I, I'm not really interested in anybody. Uh, we know Jamal Kane has looked good in the preseason. Um, but I, I'm, you know, who else are we really going to turn to here? Uh, I think they're going to just go heavy with the starters. Uh, they'll give Kevin Love some minutes. Thomas Bryant obviously will probably take on um, – what's his name? that They came in there for them as their backup center. Uh, I, I'm blanking on him now. Um Zeller, Zeller. Uh, Thomas Bryant probably picks up some of those Zeller minutes and, and maybe does a little something with those. But, yeah, Josh Richardson is clearly going to be the guy that takes on the most uh, bench minutes for sure, if he's not a starter. Uh, on to the Magic, <clears throat> who are on court right now. Actually, I've been keeping an eye on their box score. Um, Jalen Suggs, he, he – doesn't get drafted in, in a lot of leagues as well. And I've managed, much like Josh Richardson, I've managed to pick him up late. I'm still somewhat high on him despite a couple of pretty bad seasons. Uh, I think the defence is already there. He can get you 1.2, 1.3 steals, three or four assists. He just needs his shot to start falling. Is that something that could happen this season? It does look as though he's going to start. Uh, I thought it was going to be Gary Harris, but... Suggs has sort of had that role in the in the preseason. Is he someone that you're still sort of somewhat confident can turn things around, or or is it just too late? No, I no, and because I was never confident in Jalen Suggs, <laughs> uh, he, he's never been a guy that I was particularly high on. Um, and with them spending a high draft pick on Anthony Black, um, with that, them taking um, that boy out of Michigan, uh, Jet Howard. Um, you know, with Franz Wagner, with Paolo Bancaro, this is a this is a really talented roster. Uh, I just, with some of the other guys we've talked about, I just don't see what the path for him to uh, see more minutes or see his usage expand or, you know, maybe see his shot fall a little bit more. Uh, I just don't see where that path comes in with the guys that they just drafted and, and added. They even brought in, uh, you know, Joe Ingles. Uh, to add a little bit more depth to that roster. So I just don't see it for Jalen Suggs. I'm not sure what the upside is. Uh, another guy who, well, he had upside at one point. I don't know if he still does. Jonathan Isaac, um, I'm not interested in, in, in him this season. Um, defensive streamer, maybe. How many minutes do you think he sees? Like, do you, Can he crack 20 or do you think he's more in that sort of 14 to 16 range? That's exactly where I'm, I'm thinking, somewhere in the 14 to 16. And the Washington Wizards, a team I probably didn't think that we'd have a lot to talk about, but we do, given their preseason. Um, Koulibaly has looked good. Uh, I haven't, again, I haven't seen a lot of what he's done, but listening to podcasts and reading things, it sounds as though his defensive upside alone is enough to or, or has been enough to get him minutes and, and it looks like he's going to play a pretty significant role, which a month ago we probably didn't think he was. Is he someone that we need to be drafting now? 
I think he's worth a look at the you know at the end of drafts, but uh, you know he's he's a guy in the Patrick Williams mold that you wonder. Well, he's going to be a strong defender, uh, but is he going to do enough for my fantasy team? Is he going to score a lot? Is he going to rebound enough? Uh, will he facilitate? Will he rack up steals or blocks at a high level? Um, if you're taking a look at the preseason, yeah, the defensive numbers have been through the roof for him. I think he's uh, preseason steals leader, if I'm not mistaken, right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's been awesome. Uh, so I, I'll absolutely take a look at him at the end of drafts uh, just because Washington, they have a, a dearth of talent right now and they have minutes to go around. So absolutely he could get a shot. Uh, just and on steals, Zion Williamson has five steals and two blocks in tonight's game. Just for anyone <laughs> keeping a, a track of oh Zion's defensive Ooh. watch, um, it is preseason, so we don't really care. Um, and probably a guy that um, <clears throat> Kulabali is vying for minutes against is Denny Avdia. Again, a guy that we've sort of been high on to some degree the last couple of years. He has a pretty fantasy-friendly game as well. Um, he can hit some threes, has some defensive upside, decent rebounder, can pass the ball. Is he someone that you would take a, a late-round flyer on if he's available? Uh, I'm not super interested. Um, yeah, for the reasons you mentioned, yeah, he, he can be effective. Um, and, again, Washington's front court, is, I mean, they're one injury away from him seeing 35 minutes a night mm. at this point. Um, but, yeah, he's not a guy that super interests me. I think they're going to be focused on uh, Kuzma and Jordan Poole. Those are going to be the guys that run the team. Uh, Dan Gafford's going to get some run. Uh, you know, Kula Bali's obviously looks like he's going to see a bunch more run. Um, you know, Avdia can be effective maybe in deeper leagues, but he's not necessarily somebody I'm looking at uh, just in a standard 12-team league. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair enough. Um, and you, I mean, you've you've got there that you're high on Jordan Poole, so why would you be high on, on Denny after? Uh, that will do it then for today's show. Um, we will, as I said, we'll split this into two. So second part will come out probably early next week. I'll release it um, before I head off to the States. Um, I'll have you back on again. We'll, we'll, we'll squeeze in another one before I leave. Uh, thank you for coming on. Looking forward to to this season and and having you on regularly um, and probably jumping on your show with you at at some point as well. Um, Any final thoughts on the Eastern Conference? Any players we didn't touch on or or you think we covered most things? No, I think that was pretty comprehensive, man, especially for a guy that's coming back from an extended holiday and, you know, didn't watch preseason. Well, I did my best. I did my best. That's all I can do. Uh, That will do for today's show. Remember to check out all of our content at fbibasketball.com. Check out our Discord server. Uh, We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. If you could give us a thumbs up and subscribe, that would be amazing. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.